The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, uh, you've already heard that my name is Sam, and uh, oh, I think it was about a year ago that I last spoke here at the church. So uh, if you don't know me, uh, I'm married here to Beth. We have three adult children. And most recently, a couple of months ago, became grandparents, which is really exciting. So uh, I'm enjoying that, but to Beth, it seems like some kind of addiction. So, um, you know, we'll work through that. Um, I've already had comments come my way about me wearing shoes this morning, uh, which is quite unusual for me. So I thought I would explain, but at 46 years of age, uh, it seems that my feet aren't what they once were. Uh, And the cracks get so bad now at times that they literally bleed when I walk. Uh, And the only thing I can do is actually have to wear shoes for a bit. uh, And they seem to recover. And then I ditch the shoes again. Uh, And this is the cycle I go through. So I just thought I would explain that to you all. So you now know the reason for wearing shoes at the moment. All right. Having clarified a lot, let's get to the word. You are destined for greatness. You are going to be significant. You are prosperous. No, sorry, I just can't keep doing that. The truth is you're probably not. I'm sorry, you're just not that significant and you're probably not going to be great at all. Let me give you the real version about your life. You're destined to get up tomorrow and work a job that you sort of like and sort of don't with colleagues that you view the same way. Right? That's just the reality of life. You'll be married to a person whom you love But you know that they are the most stubborn person on the planet because they won't conform exactly to who you are. But they also know that you're the most stubborn person on the planet, right? So this is the joy of marriage. By the way, it's Beth in our relationship. Anyway, you have children whom you love and would die for. But parenting is so much harder than you ever thought possible. And until you had kids, you'd never thought so much about living on a deserted island by yourself, right? This is just the, the motions of life that we go through. You will eventually die, live on in the memory of one or two generations, and that's about it. You came here this morning to be cheered up, didn't you, right? I'm all over that. But from a worldly perspective, this is true. It amazes me that people who go to prosperity churches never seem to realise that the only people who prosper are the prosperity preachers, right? They're the ones who rake it in, but no one else does. Anyway, why start like this? Well, I want to tell you that your life can and should have great purpose. It is significant, and you are going to prosper, but it must be looked at in the right perspective. All of these things are promised, guaranteed in eternity, where you will share in Christ's glory forevermore, bathed in his grace to display forever the sacrifice that Jesus made, to give up his life for you by being sent from the Father in love and grace. And as you forever abide in his grace and mercy, your life for all eternity will declare to the universe, it will declare to the heavens the grace and mercy of God because Jesus paid the penalty of your sin. 
How could our life be greater than that? That God chooses to display the riches of his love on you forevermore to the praise of his glory. That's the good news. And that's the significance of our life. And that's kind of what we're going to be zeroing in on together this morning. So that's our focus. How do we live right now in light of that future that awaits. That's what we're going to be looking at. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to John 17. Now, I'm reading from the CSB. Are you an ESV church normally? Okay, CSB is similar to that. So anyway, you'll just have to do your best. But CSB, John 17, I'm just going to read 17 to 20 to start with. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Amen. Now, in context, we've got to understand here, what does he mean by sanctify them them by the truth, your word is truth? Now, to understand that, we have to always look at passages in context. Now, I'm not going to go back and read this through you, but in the previous part of John 17, which you can read later on your own, Jesus reveals that he is the truth. And what does he mean by that? It means that Jesus reveals the character of God. All of who God is, is revealed in the personhood of Jesus. The love of God is seen in Christ, is it not? The anger of God at sin is seen in Christ, is it not? The justice of God is seen in Christ. The grace of God is seen in Christ, right? So Jesus reveals the truth of God in his character. And then Jesus prays in the passage before that the Father would keep his followers in that same character. In other words, that we would be kept in the character of God is to be kept in the truth of God. That all of those attributes of God is how we will walk as his followers. And, says Jesus, in doing so, that's where we have our unity. In other words, if we're all living out the character of God, then we're going to be unified. right? So that's what Jesus has been saying in the previous passage. So after looking at us being kept in the character and truth of God, bound in unity, Jesus shifts to this passage this morning. As you have sent me, says Jesus, to the Father, I have sent them into the world. What was Jesus sent in the world to do? Come on. What was Jesus sent to do? To save us to die on the cross, to pay the penalty of our sin. Come on, church, we've got to get this right. What was Jesus sent to do? So, John 3.16, anyone? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's what Jesus was sent to do, amen? Right, so he was sent into the world. So what does Jesus say here? As you sent me into the world, so I send them. As Jesus was sent, so you are sent. 
What does that mean? That you're sent to be crucified to pay the penalty of people's sin? No, Jesus was the final sacrifice once and for all time. No, Jesus was sent to bring people to the Father through his death and resurrection. You are sent to go into all the world telling them what Jesus has done to bring people to the Father. So he was sent, you are sent, to tell the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sin. Right? So this is the ongoing prayer of Jesus for every person who believes throughout the ages, as he was sent, so I send you. You are commissioned, you are called to be sent and tell people there is one hope of salvation, one way to overcome sin, and that is through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, I think that's clear. I hope that's clear. That should make really good sense from the Scripture. The next bit of our passage, I think, is where it gets slightly tricky. I sanctify myself for them so that they may also be sanctified by the truth. Now... Do you have that up there? And is that this the ESV we're looking at? I consecrate myself. Good. Sanctified can also be translated as consecrated. So what's the word mean? So why can we you know, translate it a couple of different ways? Well, it means to be set aside for holy use. So Old Testament priests were first consecrated to their work. After they were consecrated, after they went through a certain ceremony, they could then perform certain functions that only priests could perform. So if we go into the Old Testament, the priests would sacrifice animals on behalf of the people, so on and so forth. They were consecrated to a specific task. And Jesus says, consecrate them in the truth as he has also been consecrated or sanctified. So what does that mean? Well, as Jesus came in the character of God, set aside, because that's what truth is, God's character revealed in Christ, as he was set aside for the task of bringing people to salvation through the cross, Jesus now prays that you too will be set aside in the character of God set aside as a holy tool, a holy instrument, to be used to proclaim the truth of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Church, here's your purpose. Here's your true call to significance. It's to continue the mission of Jesus. That is what he is praying for in this passage as his dedicated, holy instrument. Sanctify them the truth, set them aside in the character of God to go out and reach the lost. The truth, according to the word of God, is you're not a physio, you're not a teacher, you're not a secretary, you're not a tradie, you're not a cleaner, you're not a mysterious OT and whatever they do. You're a holy missionary set apart for the glory of God by conforming to his word and character and reaching out to save the lost. That is who you are. That's your primary identity as prayed for and as called for by Jesus Christ. 
And anything else you do comes underneath Christ's call for you to be set apart and consecrated to the task of proclaiming the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus. The reality is, if you're not a tool consecrated for holy use, you're just a tool, right? This is what the Bible's telling us. So, right, this is the truth of what Jesus is praying for his disciples. We're not called to store up treasures in this life. We're not called to find significance in this life. You're not called to find a worldly purpose. Your purpose is as a wholly dedicated instrument to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in preparation for the eternal glory that will be revealed, right? That is what this passage is telling us. Jesus states clearly here that he's not just praying for his disciples, but for all those who will believe through their word. What a promise this was. If you think about that, he's talking here to like 12 men who are underneath the full might of the Roman Empire. So there's a handful of guys, and Jesus is saying, by the way, your job is to go out as my holy instrument and win the world for Christ. How would you feel about that task? Okay, right? Like, how do you even go about it? Then Jesus says, but I'm not just praying for you. I'm praying for all those who are going to believe through you. This is a positive statement. This is a definite article. Jesus is saying people are going to believe through you. What a promise that is. As you go out as my holy and dedicated instrument and proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus, people will believe. You're sitting here this morning as a direct link to this statement, right? They went out and told people who believed, who told people who believed, who told people who believed. You're sitting here this morning because these men believed that statement, right? You are a direct line from this. And guess what? It continues on from you. Jesus says, I pray for all those who will believe through you. In other words, as they set their lives apart as a consecrated tool and proclaimed the good news and people believed, so when you set your life apart as a consecrated tool and proclaim the good news, people will believe. Church, how encouraging is that? Right? You're just one little mark One little moment in the last 2,000 years. But if Christ doesn't come back in 2,000 more years, there'll be people who believe because you set your life apart as a consecrated tool to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, this is a promise that people will go on believing. And what a wonderful truth. Over the last sort of few weeks, we've done, I think, I don't know, seven baptisms or something like that. Seen some people have just come to faith radically out of nowhere kind of thing. Um, Their lives just transformed uh, by Christ. How incredible. But it's because people are proclaiming the good news. Right? That is your job. That's what Jesus prays for you. When these disciples went forth and proclaimed the good news without Jesus physically present with them when they went out in faith. People believed, and so they will through you. Church, governments come and go. Cultural trends come and go. Pandemics come and go. The gospel will never lose its power to save. Right? 
proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. So for all of us who believe, Jesus has more specific things he wants us to know and do. And that's the next few verses in our passage. So this is John 17, 21 to 23. So for all of us who believe, some more specific things. John 17, 21 to 23. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me, so that they may be completely one. That the world may know you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Wow, this is profound. May we all be as One. This is everyone who would believe. Remember, this is what Jesus is praying for. All those who will believe, may we be as one like the Father and the Son are one. Isn't that incredible? That we would have the unity of the triune God? How's that even possible? Remember our context. Jesus is saying, sanctify them in the truth. What is the truth again? Anyone? The character of God revealed in the person of Jesus, right? So that's what he's given us in context. So he's saying that when we, our lives, conform to the character of God, so we conform to the character of the triune God, then guess what results? The unity of the triune God. When the grace and forgiveness and justice and mercy and anger against sin and all of these things are manifest in his people, then we know the unity of the triune God. So much so that we could be said to have the unity of the Father and the Son. Isn't that amazing? So when we stay connected to the vine, that is, connected to God, filled with the Holy Spirit, who's conforming us to the image of Jesus, as we stay connected to the vine, conforming to the image of Christ, then the character of God is revealed in us, his truth being sanctified in us, and then we will dwell in true unity. In other words, oh sorry, and then what Jesus says is that, that unity, that character lived out, tells the world that Jesus must be from God. That's what our passage says. The otherworldliness of our love, the otherworldliness of the character of the triune God, seen in his gathered church, tells the world that Christ who we proclaim must have come from God. Isn't that amazing? Church, that should just be incredible to us. In other words, the forgiveness in this room the generosity in this room, the lack of slander in this room, the willingness to serve, the welcoming of new people, the hatred of sin, the putting others ahead of ourselves, having the same attitude of Jesus, tells the world as we proclaim his name, it must be true because I've seen it here at Calambra. When people walk into this room, they should see 50 Jesuses. It's a weird word, that one, isn't it? But that's what they should see. 
right? Because that's what Jesus is praying for. You will be sanctified in the truth. In other words, you will live out the character of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. And when people come into this room and experience the character of God in you, they will say, if that is who Jesus is, he must be from God. The, the character of God revealed in his people. And this church is perfectly that, right? No. It wouldn't be if I was here anyway, right? Full stop. No. Of course it's not. We all fall short of the mark of perfectly living out the character of Jesus Christ. But it is meant to be the process we're on. Like a child learning to walk. When they first stand up and they hang on to that table, then they begin to let go and they fall down on their butt many times, but then they take those first few steps. Right? This is our journey. We are children learning to walk in the character of God and over time that character should be more revealed, more seen, more evidenced, that when people come into this community, they can taste the character of God in his people. So the mission is we not only proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, but we reveal the good news of Jesus Christ in how we relate as his people, sanctified in his truth. Church, that is what we are looking for here together, that this community that's all around you will see the beauty of Christ. Right? So that's what we want to do. Now, I know there are people here serving behind the scenes in many, many ways. Is that right? How does the church function? There are so many teachers here of your children. There are people here who clean. People here who will be in that kitchen after the service. Am I right? Making stuff. There are probably people doing, I don't know, Things behind the scenes through the week to support missions. I don't know, it goes on and on, but I guarantee you, if you walk into a church looking for the character of God, you will see it. Guaranteed. People can sometimes be a little bit too critical of the church. I guarantee you, although this church might not be perfect, you will see the character of God revealed here in different ways. I once sat in a church and witnessed this argument, and I love this so much because this could only happen in the church. There was one guy in the church who was selling something to another guy in the church and they were deep in an argument because the seller was trying to sell it for less and the buyer wanted to pay more. Like, that makes no sense anywhere but the church, does it? Like, you don't walk into a used car lot and have that argument, do you? Right? You, don't, you don't expect to say to a used car salesman, but I want to pay more. And he's like, no, you should pay less. But that's what was going on in the church. Why? Because the generosity of Christ was evident in both men. And so both of them were trying to be more generous than the other. Isn't that cool? And we can miss that, but that's the character of God revealed in his people. And it's happening in churches all the time. Every Sunday before you walk in that door, take a breath. Just pause a little bit and say, how do I represent the character of Christ gathered here this morning. If someone walks into this church this morning who doesn't know Jesus, how can I reveal his character in my love 
for one another this morning. But not just on a Sunday. In the way we care for each other, support each other all through the week, our actions are telling the world, ideally, that Jesus comes from God. If we have a weakness in our walk, church, this is the pointed part of the sermon here, if we have a weakness in our walk, it's that too often we judge ourselves by intentions rather than actions. So we sit here on a Sunday morning and we go, oh, yep, Sam, that sounds great. I think that was from the Bible. I think that was the Word of God. And, and we can come up and say to me later on, that was a good word. Thank you, brother. Uh, and then we walk out of the church and nothing changes. And we judge ourselves by intentions rather than actions. Right? That is a trap. And I'm not pointing the finger at you. You know the old saying, there's one tree pointing back. It's me as well, right? We, let's not do that. Let's sit there and go, what do I do to better reveal the truth of God's character in my life in the way I dwell with his people? Right? Even if you can change one thing, maybe you have fallen into a trap of slander. Then make a commitment to actually stop. I won't do that anymore. Or maybe I haven't been serving in any capacity. I've just been making excuses for a long time. Maybe I stop and I actually decide that there's some way I can help someone in the church. That doesn't mean being on a roster, meanwhile. It could mean mowing the lawn for someone who needs it, right? Just find a way to serve the body, right? Like, make a commitment to better reveal the character of God. Don't judge your intentions. Judge your actions, right? And that'll help you change into the image of God. Ground yourself in the revelation of God, in the person of Jesus as found in the scripture and live it out in unity as you take the gospel to a disbelieving world. All right, we're coming to a close. Last bit of our passage, John 17, 14 to 26. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see me in my glory which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you, however I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. All right, Jesus refers to all those that the Father has given him, the original disciples and all those who will ever believe through the preaching of the gospel. And then Jesus says... He wants them to come and see him in his glory that he had before the world began because the Father has loved the Son eternally. Now, this is just quickly, but 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 12 says, For now we only see a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. The day will come when all the veils are removed and we behold Jesus in his full glory, resplendent, radiant in majesty and power, brighter than the sun. And Jesus says, I want you to come and see me displayed in my radiant glory. And in the instant that you behold him, says the word, you will be transformed to perfectly reflect that glory. 
Now, it won't be exactly the same, obviously. You're not ever going to be omnipresent, omniscient, any of these things. But in an instant, you will perfectly reflect the glory of Jesus Christ as revealed. As you behold him, you will be transformed into his likeness, fully, radiantly glorified forevermore. Isn't that amazing, right? That's the promise that Jesus is giving his disciples as they sanctify themselves for the truth, as they reach out with the good news, as they dwell in the character of God. One day they will see him in his glory and instantly the final work will be finished and you will reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. The final point of Jesus' prayer for his disciples is, I made your name known to them. Now, that means the character of God, the essence of God. God said his name is I am. We could think of that as I am eternal, I am all-powerful, I am love, I am justice, I am all-knowing. Jesus revealed the character of God to us, and he says, I will continue to make it known to them, right? So that character of God's continued to be revealed in us, and it's continued to be shown through us to the world. Jesus prays we'd be kept in his name, in his truth, in his character. So what is the consequences of all this we've been talking about this morning? One, the love that the Father has for Jesus will be in us. That's what he says. This could be translated as within each of us. The love that the Father has for the Son will be the love that grows in us as we are kept in his name, kept in his character. Or it could be translated, it could mean amongst us. The love that the Father has for the Son will be what defines us as his gathered people. It's both, isn't it? The love of God will transform each of us so that we can love like the Father loved the Son and then that love flows out of you to one another as we reveal that Jesus is from God. What a promise, church. The love that the Father has for the Son is the love that radiates amongst God's people. If you are bitter at anyone at church, harboring resentment, let it go. Life is short. Eternity is long. Seek the Father and his character and let his love flow through you. Secondly, Jesus prays that as we walk in the character of God, he will be with us. What was lost in the Garden of Eden was God dwelling with his people, walking with them. Now in and through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he will be in and amongst us once again. Jesus dwells in the midst of his people, the church, the place where the love of God reigns and the presence of Christ dwells tangibly and is seen in the character and love of his people. It all flows from God's people devoting themselves to living out God's word, sanctified for God's mission, to bring about God's glory, which we will see forevermore. Don't fall for the promise of petty, earthly significance and greatness. Set your eyes on the glory of Christ, which we will behold with unveiled eyes as we are instantly transformed into his likeness. That's the gospel, and that's how your life will have purpose. Let's pray.
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church, located on the Sunshine Coast. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.